How great is our God. He is certainly great. And how great is our Savior. You know, why, why should I have any kind of a reward for what Christ has done for us? You know, I, I don't have an answer. I, I, I love that song. It's a beautiful day. I want to echo what uh, Brian had to, to say to us, you know, about springtime. I know when the weeds start coming up in my yard and we start getting excited about our spring meeting, well, I, I know it soon. And that's really what we want to, want to talk about this morning, is getting ready for our spring meeting, getting excited about it, getting pumped up about it, trying to figure out everything we can do uh, to help it, help it be successful. I want to talk about evangelism this morning and some wonderful reasons that should spur us to get excited about the opportunity that we have uh, coming up with our spring meeting. Appreciated the prayer very much this morning. Andrew talked about us bearing fruit for the glory of God. In Luke, the 13th chapter, beginning in verse 9, And he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. You know, as Christ was speaking this, this should have been something that spoke right to Israel. You know, they should, they, they should have been recognizing the Messiah and listening to His teachings, but, they, but in, in large part, in general, they just did not. But as we look at this parable, it is certainly a lesson for us in the, how we should live our lives and how that we should be fruitful, how we should be evangeli- evan- evangelic. You know, I posted in Facebook that I saw this morning. It said, heaven is my home. I'm just here recruiting. You know, I thought that was really, uh, really neat when I saw that and how true that that is. We need to be bearing fruit. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will lock unto a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You know, as we, as we read this and, and understand uh, what faith is, and, and faith should be something that moves us. You know, faith should be something that causes us to do things, uh, to serve, and not just hear the Word. So a challenge for me this morning is take the lesson this morning and apply it to my life. How can I uh, better evangelize to other people, spread the gospel to other people, talk to Christ to other people, be better prepared to give an answer of those that would ask of the reason of the hope that's in me. And to do that. Not just hear, not just work up this lesson, not just hear it, but to apply it to my life. 
In Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 47, it says, And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For whoever to whom much is given, from him much will also be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. This is a special verse for me, and I, and I, and I use it you know, in, in, in sermons before, but it really rings uh, loud with me because I have been so, so blessed. I was born into a Christian family that took me to church three times a week and taught me, expected me to do right and taught me to do right. Married into a wonderful family that just helped me to continue to, to grow spiritually. And I was brought into this wonderful family. You people, my church family, that has continued to, to help me throughout my life and, and help me to grow. Boy, I've been blessed. And there's a lot required of me because of that. And so many have been so richly blessed that are here this morning. What can we do with that wonderful blessing that we've been given? In James, the second chapter, verse 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Again, what can we do with the blessing that's we've, that we've been given? We have faith. How can we put it to work? How can we use it from here to the next month throughout our meeting and building up to the meeting to help us to have a wonderful, fruitful gospel meeting? James 4 and 17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. There's so much good that I know I need to do, yet too, too often I do not take advantage of the opportunities that I have. I get caught up in stuff. Other things get on my mind. I miss opportunities. And I don't want to do that. And as we approach this wonderful time of an opportunity for us to have church growth, to spread the gospel, to teach others, to invite people to church, let's get excited and let's, let's think on those things that we can do and get our minds and hearts with a mind ready to work. So I'd like to discuss great reasons to evangelize, a command and three calls. First of all, command, the command from above. Matthew 28 and verse 18. This is after Jesus' resurrection. Um, the apostles had seen him get arrested and, and crucified, and they're distraught, thinking all is lost. You know, what are we going to do now? And they're in hiding, and, and then the resurrection comes. And they're excited, and they begin to understand. And one of the last things Christ said, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has given to me in heaven and on earth. <clears throat> Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So one of the... So one of the last things that Christ said was go. And we've all received that command to go. To go into the world, to go into Plainview, go into the people, go into our circles, go into our, even our outer circles and teach them. Make Christians out of them. God's children and disciples out of people. Well, someone would say, you know, that, that, that's hard. You know, I can't see myself doing that. I, I just don't know enough. But I think if you know enough to obey, you, you know enough to, to teach. First <clears throat> Peter 3 and 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. As we live our lives, as I live my life, there are opportunities. I've already talked about the ones that I, that I know I've missed. And I know that they're there, but too often I let them go. But it shouldn't be because I'm not ready. And I need to be ready. I need to prepare. I need to be, uh, have the ability to, uh, you know, we may not be able to do everything and know everything and have all the answers. But we can defend our faith. And we can share our faith with others and make an impact on lives. You know, it's not hard. Again, if we know enough to obey it, then we know enough to teach it. These are four verses that I have, and, and, I, and I keep them in my mind. And the reason for this is so that I'll be ready. When I have an opportunity, I've studied these enough that I, that I, can, that I can share these with somebody. And there are many, many, many other scriptures that we can use in different ways to do this than, than this approach that I have. But this is one, but I want us to see it's that simple and we can have it in our heads and we can be ready. They can be warned about not obeying the gospel. Second Thessalonians 1 and verse 7. Given to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So as we share this with somebody and the dangers of not obeying the gospel, well, the next question that, that should come up is, well, you know, what do you mean the gospel? Well, what is the gospel? Well, we can find that in Luke, the 15th chapter. Begin this verse 1. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I, I declare unto you the gospel. He says, Here it is. This is the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you have received, and you stand. So the church there at Corinth, when he was writing to them, they had heard the gospel, they obeyed it, they were members of the church, and they were there, and he says, That's what you stand in right now. Verse 2, By which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Can we share Christ with other people? Can we tell them what the gospel is? How Christ lived that perfect, wonderful life and the wonderful teachings that He gave us, teaching us how to live? 
And then he was arrested and he suffered and he died. Went through all those things that we sung about this morning that we'll remember here in a little while. But he didn't stay dead. He rose. And that's the good news. That's the hope. That's the basis for the hope that we have. Can we tell people about that? Well, somebody says, okay, yes, gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. How do I obey that? Romans, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And it's in baptism that we obey the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. The old man's sin is dead. That's washed away. That's gone. And as Christ rose to life, we rise to live a new life by obeying that gospel. Example of that. Acts, the second chapter, that first gospel sermon. And as you read Acts, the second chapter, you can read how Peter uh, stood up amongst all those people and he began uh, preaching and everybody heard and understood in their own tongue and he preached the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And they obeyed it. The result of that, verse 37, and now when they heard this, when they heard and believed, wow, that was the Messiah, and we murdered him. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Could you imagine coming to that conclusion? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We read further in the chapter how they were added to the church. That's simple. We, we can do this. And it's a wonderful message that the world needs to hear. Matthew 10, verse 26. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I am came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And who, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he who does not take his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. What are we afraid of? You know, what am I afraid of? You know, I'm probably not going to be martyred in this country for sharing the gospel with somebody. Now, is it easy? No. If I share it with family members, might they get upset with me? Yes. Might I lose a friend? I might. We know people who have recently lost jobs because they shared the gospel with a co-worker. Those things might happen. But as Christ said, we should preach from the housetops. We need to fear God who can, can destroy both body and soul. Not just man who can destroy the body. We may upset people, but we need to remember those before us that preach the gospel. You know, we think of Stephen and how he preached to the people. They didn't want to hear it. Verse 57, Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Stephen preached the gospel. He feared God rather than man. The result was he was dragged outside of the city and rocks were thrown at him until he died. Probably not going to happen to us here. Yet so little stops me. So little gets in my way from doing what I know I should do and sharing the gospel with other people. The command from above. Second thing, the call from the lost. In Luke, the 16th chapter, beginning in verse 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that that beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lift up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So those who would pass from here to you cannot, nor can those, who, those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. You know, hundreds, if not thousands, of people will die today without knowing Jesus. And that's a sad and sobering thought. 
Souls are being lost every day, and the time is short. They may not listen, but they must hear. How many are in the place of this rich man? You know, can you imagine this rich man who lived his life, a life of ease? He had all this money and wealth and an easy life and enjoyed this life. Yet he did nothing to prepare for the life after. And imagine in torment, pain, suffering, begging. That might just give me a drop of water to cool my tongue. But that can't be done. There's a great gulf there. There's no passing over, around, through. Okay, he says. I guess this is where, this is where I am. I guess this is my eternity. But can you... Can we go to my brothers? I have brothers at home. They need to hear this so that they don't come to this place. You know, can you imagine? If one would just come from the dead, they would believe. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. You know, so many people, you know, might say, well, you know, let them have a Bible. They can find the Bible. Let them read it. They don't know to. They don't know what to do with it. And I ask again, if not for Moses and the prophets, what chance did they have? Again, that was, the, that was explained. If they don't hear Moses and the prophets, that's it. Someone's not going to rise from the dead and go to those that we care about and tell them. If they don't hear. We are the modern day Moses and the prophets. We are the world's only Bible. There's a poem with a song that we used to sing. I don't think it's in this book. It says, Christ has no hands but our hands to do His work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in the way. He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men how He died. He has no help but our help to bring them to His side. We are the only Bible the careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message given in word and deed? What if the type is crooked? What if the print is blurred? What if our hands are busy with other work than His? What if our feet are walking where sin's allurement is? What if our tongue is speaking of things His lips would spurn? How can we hope to help Him or welcome His return? The call from the lost. The call from without. In Acts, the 16th chapter, beginning in verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. 
Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul recognized that there was a need to spread the gospel in Macedonia. And that's what he did. And the, and the church was established there at, at Philippi. Paul saw the need to share the gospel to someone he didn't even know. Now, we probably won't have a vision, but we can certainly see the need to spread the gospel to people that we don't even know, to people who need their souls saved. And not only their souls saved, but to clean up their lives for the opportunity to enjoy this life rather than the misery of sin. And so they can become disciples that can seek and save the lost as well. Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who led glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The gospel has to be taught. What if nobody goes? What if nobody teaches? You know, it takes all of us doing what we can. It takes people with the ability to teach others. It takes people that are willing to go out and talk to their friends and neighbors that they have a relationship with. That's scary. But those that we have a relationship with, we can, we can, uh, they'll listen to us. And we might can help them. It takes talking to people, being an influence. Living a life so that somebody does ask us about the hope that we have. And we're ready to give that answer. It takes handing out flyers to people we don't even know. It takes giving money to the evangelism fund. It takes being here when we have a meeting so that we can be a great encouragement to the visitors that do come. It takes all of us to have a great spring gospel meeting. And we certainly pray and hope that that happens. It takes prayer. And I hope we're praying for the meeting now. Matthew 9, verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. How'd you like that crop? Now you cotton farmers look out there in that field and thinking about that, it probably puts a little sense of urgency in you. If that was your crop, you're thinking, I need to get in the field and I need to get that out 
now. Because what can happen? It can rain. It can snow. The wind can blow and start stringing out that cotton. The grade can go down. Worse, we've had some of those late fall hell storms that put it on the ground, haven't we? We don't want that to happen. We want the crop out before it's too late. And we look at that and think, what a crop. Got to get out there. John 4 and 35 says, Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Again, many don't even know to pick up a Bible and read it. They need a teacher. We can find someone every day that we work with, bump into, care about, already have a relationship with, but those outside that maybe we don't. Again, that we can be an influence in, on, be kind to, stir up a conversation, elevate that conversation like Christ did at the well, get into a religious conversation, and let God work through us. The call from without. Finally, the call from within. In 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, beginning in verse 14, it says, For the love of God compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Christ's love compels us. Compels means to force. Can't help it. What's within us, there's just something driving us. And it was driving them. goes on in verse 20. Compels them to what? It says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. It compelled them to be ambassadors. Representatives of Christ. And that's what we are. Christ is not here in a physical form. But He lives on through us. And we are His ambassadors. We need to teach people as though God were pleading through us. We have to give them God's Word. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Beg, plead, do everything we can to what? To be reconciled to God. To obey that gospel. The love of Christ compelled them to teach the gospel. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The world needs to hear this. They need to hear that there's hope. They need to hear that there's somebody who died and paid the debt for our sin. He didn't know any sin, but he died anyway. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot find an answer. But we know that he did. 
so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. What a message that we need to give to the world. And there should be feelings within us that drives us to do that. The love of Christ forced them to preach. And it should us. Matthew 28 and 19. Again, Christ told the disciples one of the last things He said was, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. He is with us all the time and all the way to be His ambassadors. He's with us. And He's commanded us to go do this, to go share that gospel. Again, we can all do it, and we all have a part. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, uh, compares the church to a, to a body, which is the body of Christ. And it, but it, it gets down to the different organs and parts of the body and how every part, though all different, different abilities, different things that it can do, are all vital to the body. Everybody here is vital to the body. Vital for us to have a great spring meeting. We can all do something. The things that we talked about earlier in the sermon, what can we do to help us have a wonderful sermon? Maybe we don't have as much ability as somebody else and we're all in that shape. Remember what Andrew did? John 1 and verse 40. One of, them two, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. We all know Peter, don't we? If we're, stu- if we're students of the Bible at all. We know what Peter did. Maybe we can't remember a whole lot about Andrew. But well, Peter, Peter preached that first gospel sermon. We know what Peter did. Andrew went and got Peter. We can hand out a flyer. We can have a discussion with someone else. We can be here for encouragement. We can pray. We can give money to the evangelism fund. There's things we can do to make this a wonderful gospel meeting. We have a great opportunity coming up. Our 24 gospel meeting and work week. I hope you're getting excited about it. I hope you're looking forward to it. We've got the work week coming up March 17th through the 23rd. That's an opportunity and we'll give you more directions as, as that time uh, gets closer. But that's a, t- that's a time where we have this big effort amongst all of us to get word out to people, to work together, to split up, divide and conquer. Invite people to church. All of us as individuals have an opportunity. We'll have flyers for you to give to your friends and neighbors and people you do business with. Invite them to come. And then we have our gospel meeting with James Ludicky beginning on March 24th through the 31st A wonderful opportunity ahead of us. A command and three calls. The command from above, the call from the lost, 
the call from without, the call from within. I want to end with a poem. The title of it is called My Friend. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth I walked with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord and truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we lived together here on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things, that's true. I called you friend and trusted you. But I learn now that it's too late. And you could have kept me from this fate. We walked by day and talked by night, and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die. You, never, you knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you through fun and strife. And yet, on coming to this dreadful end, I cannot now call you my friend. Author unknown. Every time I read that, it gets me. I think of the opportunities that I've missed. And my prayer that it spurs me to do better. That this lesson that I've studied will help me prepare for this meeting. Give me the courage. Give me whatever it is that's lacking in me from doing what I can to bring others to Christ. The lesson is yours this morning. If you've never obeyed the gospel, we'd certainly invite you to do that this morning. You can come forward, have a seat on the front pew. We have baptistry ready, clothes that are ready. You can confess Christ before this audience, repent of your past, be buried with Him in baptism, and leave here a child of God, knowing that you're forgiven and that you're a member of Christ's church. Maybe you've done that, uh, but you have another need in your life and you'd like the prayers of the church. We'd ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.